Funding for this podcast comes from MathWorks, creators of MATLAB and Simulink software, accelerating the pace of engineering and science. Learn more at MathWorks.com. WBUR Podcasts, Boston. I'm Daryl C. Murphy, and you're listening to The Comet. Reporter and podcast host for Commonwealth Beacon, Jennifer Smith, peer-to-peer. How's it going? (laughs) It's going great. I mean, I think we're all in our respective podcast studios, bunkers, existential states of mind. Mine is good. How's yours? You don't want to go there. (laughs) (laughs) Probably not. That's a different show for a different day. (laughs) But Jennifer, so glad to have you back. Now, you said you're recording from your podcast studio. And where is that? Because I think that's relevant to our discussion. Yeah. So I'm not so much in a studio as in uh, the second room slash the study of my house, which is part of one of the classic iconic housing stocks in greater Boston, in all of Massachusetts, the finest structures that we have known to man, the classic New England three-decker. Listen, the triple-decker is the Boston structure. It is. Period. Totally. It's even in our logo. So I respect your enthusiasm (laughs) for the triple decker. Now that we've been transparent about our biases, (laughs) (laughs) let's get into the news because uh, we're talking about triple deckers and, and our enthusiasm for them because Somerville just fully legalized the construction of new triple deckers. And that's important because I know for me, I didn't know they were illegal. Mm. So before we move forward, tell me why they were illegal in the first place. So this is a little bit weird to plenty of people, right? Not just you, but you walk around Boston, Somerville, you know, even all the Mm -hmm. way up to Maine and you think this is what all the housing stock kind of looks like. That's very common. But this was initially built in the 1800s and 1900s as often immigrant housing. Uh, it was multi-generational. It was easy to construct. It was kind of the soft density. So it really became associated with the rise of this working and middle class in the 1800s and 1900s. But then in the early 1900s, there was this big wave of anti-immigrant sentiment. And that manifested in part through actually banning three-deckers. So they were basically saying these are dangerous, they're fire traps, they're not stable. But what they really meant was we don't want the people who live in them. So Mm. there was this big wave of bans that ended up going out all over Massachusetts and other regions. But Massachusetts has held on to a lot of them because we're very, very slow to update our zoning code, essentially saying, hey, We might have a bunch of three-deckers, but say if one burned down, you can't rebuild a three-decker in that same spot in most of Massachusetts. Mm. So now tell me about the push to bring back the triple-decker legally so that should a triple-decker ever burn down, hopefully it doesn't, Mm -hmm. they can rebuild a new one. Yeah, so this has been uh, actually a pretty long time push happening in a few different places, but Somerville's really been making a go at it. So in 2019, there was this initial push to re-legalize the three-decker, but it came with a few kind of provisions. And one of these provisions was that 
for every single one of these three-deckers, at least one of these units in it had to be affordable, and it also could only be built near an existing three-decker. So I was talking to Somerville City Councilor Matt McLaughlin uh, last week, and we were talking about how this ended up effectively preventing construction from getting built even by people who thought they wanted more housing. When they said that this might build thousands of units, people got scared. And people like me were like, oh, that's great. We're talking thousands of inclusionary units. This will be amazing. Uh, we had three people express interest. Zero people ever followed through on it. So it became clear that this just isn't happening. So after that happened, you basically saw sort of a stall out for a few years. But Councillor McLaughlin and also affordable housing advocates and also other folks on the city council really took another crack at it and legalized this year constructing three-deckers, which technically is not just talking about the structure that you think of when you think of a three-decker, but kind of three-family units uh, in the city so that basically, as he puts it, what is can be legally. Is this just another move in a larger effort, a more historical effort to bring back this type of housing stock? Well, that's interesting, right? So the reason to focus on the three-decker, and you don't just see this in Somerville, but you also see it, for instance, in Boston saying that we should introduce pilot programs to allow kind of greening or rehabbing of existing three-deckers, is that they're already really familiar to people. So it means that you can kind of overcome a hurdle that runs into a lot of efforts to sort of build up housing stock, which is that you'll get people objecting to density on principle, height on principle, and saying, this thing that you'd like to build doesn't really fit here. So it's not just a movement to sort of bring back the three-decker, which again, as anyone would say, is not necessarily needed because it's already here, but to kind of preserve the idea that you can both have density in a city and also not freak out some of the people that can be often very resistant to that density. It's not a silver bullet, but it's part of the equation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's talk more about that density and get into the benefits of having triple-deckers. Totally. And I guess I should probably at one point, in case people have made it halfway through this podcast and go, why is he saying triple and she's saying three? It's uh, basically regional. It's also a little bit historic. The three-decker was initially called a three-decker, and uh, it was actually named after three-decker warships. And it wasn't until there was basically this resurgence in the 1950s, 1960s or so in trying to rebrand the three-decker as something that folks might want to live in, that it wouldn't just be associated with this kind of maligned population, that there was an effort to say, like, triple-decker actually sort of sounds better. So when we think Mm -hmm. about kind of pushing into this resurgence, essentially, and how it fits into the housing stock, you really have to think about this as part of the ebb and flow of the way that cities kind of naturally work. We try and fit density into a bunch of different spaces And when you end up with a very, very small lot, the logic suggests, well, you should put just a one-family housing here. But as Jesse Kansen-Beninov of Abundant Housing says, this actually could be part of the equation to sort of bring this density into places where it's not traditionally or even really wanted. You know, I don't think the triple-decker is the be-all and end-all. We're not going to solve our housing crisis just by building triple-deckers or three-deckers but it's a real important way um, to advance the conversation about what are the variety of strategies that we could use um, to build the homes that Massachusetts desperately needs. 
We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back. The world's clean energy future relies on ancient elements still in the ground. Without mining, there will not be a clean energy transition. But pulling them out of the ground comes at an environmental and human cost. Mining is intrusive, but the results are the building blocks for products that we use every single day. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty. Join me on point for Elements of Energy, Mining for a Green Future, five special episodes. Listen and follow On Point wherever you get your podcasts. Did you kill Marlene Johnson? I think you're one of the first people to have actually asked. From WBUR and ZSP Media, this is Beyond All Repair, a new podcast about an unsolved murder that will leave you questioning everything. Somebody should be in jail for murdering my sister. A woman who's never been believed. As long as they think I have done this, then they're not looking for who actually did this. And that's what makes it a cold case. No, it's a botched case. And a search for the truth, once and for all. Wow, it just gets more interesting. Beyond All Repair. Listen and follow wherever you get your podcasts. Be careful. You're digging in a place that's been very peaceful for a while. Do it anyway. Dig. And we are back with more from Jennifer Smith. Jennifer, thank you for that history lesson on the words, on the etymology, I guess, of triple-deckers. See, I was trying to stick with the language in the story that Somerville was using. But understanding now that it was originally three-decker, and now they tried to gentrify (laughs) three-decker with triple-decker, I'm going to say three-decker, because we're for the people at the Commons. So... (laughs) <laughs> that that might end up causing some problems for you because if you think about the timing of it, and I love this really, which is, you know, the fight over three versus triple really kind of comes down to generations, right? This really sort of came back into vernacular use in the 50s and 60s, which means you can be a full-grown human adult who has never heard it referred to as a three-decker before if you didn't Mm. live in an area where it was called a three-decker. You would think of it as triple. So again, One of the magical things about the structure of a three-decker is that it's kind of part of the universe. It's something that you see all the time. You might intuitively understand it as kind of a multifamily place where you might see like three college student households or something renting each of these floors. You might see them kind of all getting swapped over for condos, or it could be used in the way that it used to be used as something where, for instance, maybe a family will live in and own one of the units and then rent out a unit that they own that's also part of that building to a parent or a child or a grandparent. So there are a lot of different ways that three-deckers can be used depending on what the best need is in the best time. I do wonder, I guess, how conducive are they to affordability? Because we are in a housing crisis, but, you know, affordability is the issue. That's right. And and I'm really glad you came back to that, too, because that was one of the big issues the first time that Somerville tried to deal with this, which is the way that cities tend to do affordable housing requirements is they say for units 
that are in buildings over a certain size, a certain number of those units has to be made affordable. So in a city like Boston, for instance, it's around 17%. So when they were looking at how to kind of implement affordability requirements into three-deckers in Somerville, you ran into the problem that we discussed earlier, which is that if you're saying one out of three units has to be affordable, that's 33%. That's like wonderfully in theory, but like a really insanely high affordability threshold requirement. And we're in an environment right now where the math doesn't always work to build that ratio of affordable housing. So the thinking in Somerville with this new round of relegalization is that this is part of a push to basically get more units in that people are comfortable with. And then that has to interact with other existing kind of affordability overlays and other affordability requirements in Somerville. So the three-deckers are not as direct a translation into if you build this many houses, you get this many units as some people wanted kind of in the first go-round. But they're going to be part of the conversation around stabilizing rents, stabilizing housing prices, because if you're able to work more units in in this kind of organic way, then the theory is that you end up reducing or leveling out rents and housing prices overall when they're being driven up by pure scarcity. Mm-hmm. Jennifer, thank you for laying all this out for us. Before you go, I would like to know what's next for the three-decker in Somerville. So the three-decker in Somerville, really, the the hope, at least for the folks that have been pushing this and, and succeeded here, is that you end up at least preserving the existing units that we have. We talked all the way at the beginning of this conversation about how before, based on this zoning and, the, and these bans on new construction, if you lost a three-decker, those were units that were just going to be lost. So kind of as a baseline level, what's next is hopefully that we don't see a reduction in housing stock. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the pipe dream, I suppose, for plenty of housing advocates would be that you see somewhat of a bump. You see people more willing to build in additional units. You see people more willing to rethink even what it means to talk about a three-decker. How do you make them greener? How do you make them more resilient? Can you mess with the footprint a bit to fit more of them into smaller parcels? Can you make them look more interesting? So all of these things kind of are evolutions that require the very fundamental fact that you need to be able to build them in the first place. So this was kind of that essential ground laying uh, that folks hope in Somerville you will be able to then turn into a, a renewed love and uh, a renewed boom in this very iconic stock. Got it. Well, Jennifer... Thank you so much for coming through to the common and talking to us about this. This has been so fun. Thank you. My absolute pleasure. <laughs> and that's our show for today. Thank you so much for listening to the common. If you want to get in touch with us, hit us up on Instagram at WBUR the common or send us an email at thecommon at wbur.org. I'm Daryl C. Murphy, and I will talk to you tomorrow.